Okay, so it's like Sunday, our one day off every other week, and it's it's podcast time. Ben's here, Ben Wilson. I think the last time he was on the show was back in 2012. Uh, he's in California here with me working, <laughs> so uh, that's pretty cool. We were going to podcast, and then he's like, oh, I, I want to go work out at the gym first, but then uh, then when I'm back, we'll we'll podcast. So I just, while he's gone, I wanted to make a couple predictions. You know, I've been hanging out with him a bit. It's been a while since I've seen him, and uh, I told him he can uh, he can find some some stuff to talk about on the show, like, what are you into? What interests you? So here's, here's my predictions uh, before he gets back. It's going to be either a lot of like drug talk, like, oh, I, I, I was on drugs, but now I'm sober, so like I can talk about it now. Or it's also or going to be a lot of like conspiracy, serial killer kind of stuff. So we'll see if I'm right. Uh, he should be back soon, and then, uh, yeah, we'll we'll do a jam hole episode. All systems go! Prepare for countdown! 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1! Blast off to adventure in the amazing year 400 billion! Obscene, dirty, filthy, immoral... What are you people? On dope? Kaboom! There you go. Here we are. Do you feel better? I feel good. All right. How do you feel? I feel fantastic. Are we recording? Uh, Today is Sunday, September 29th, 2019. This is, believe it or not, episode 679 of The Jam Hole. Whoa. I'm Matt. And this is, this is Ben. Yes. How you doing, Ben? Good. How are you? I'm all right. Awesome. So while you were uh, working out, I did a little, little pre-game research and uh, I, I found the last episode you were on uh, back in 2012. Those were dark times. If, uh, if I, I remember right. I think maybe I was, yeah, I mean, they were okay. I was depressed. There was a lot of depression. I think the uh, the discussion that was taking place was between you and Robbie. Remember Robbie? Oh, yeah. Shout out, Robbie. What's up, Robbie? Fucking and then do you remember, Valley. like, you owed him money or something? Or mm. you remember that whole thing? Anyway, right. people can go back and listen to it. Uh, it was in, in 2012. Uh, I'll put a link to the actual episode. Yeah, let me know notes. what I owed him money for because I do not remember because I'm checking fools off my list. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm sure I paid him because we were all good when I left Montana. So yeah, and was, so you were you went from Montana to Arizona, and now you're in Northern California, living that Humboldt life, yeah. living your best sober life. You're yeah. you're working out. Yes. You're you're eating pop tarts. Hell yeah! I mean, you're bulking up really well. Yep, I put on muscle pretty quickly, which is which is good. That's one of the perks of going to the gym i guess i don't know are you enjoying the job is it better than your last job it's not better than my last job but it's definitely different than my last job <laughs> better I, what what does better mean what is better? it's good to work with friends and people that i like can get along with not that i don't get along with the old co-workers they just i had nothing in common with them yeah when you grow i think when you grow up in the southwest like a lot of those people down there like they all like 
speak two languages. They're almost all Mexican. They None have, of them are overweight. They're all very athletic. No, that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they were all like super cool, but I just, you know, I'm a fucking weirdo and it's really hard for me to relate to people to begin with. Oh, I feel you. So add in like the cultural differences and maybe the age differences and it just got, I don't know. They're cool people. Good people down there. For how's, sure. how's the heat? Oh, yeah. So when I the day I left Arizona, it was 113 outside, <laughs> which is Jesus when Christ. you're an overweight man, that shit fucking <laughs> sucks, dude. It almost doesn't get any better. I mean, worse. It fucking blows. I, the first year I was down there, I was just pouring sweat. I had oh, to wear a sweatband, not for any other reason, like not to look cool. It wasn't a style thing. It was just oh, I'm going to pour sweat for the next 18 hours every day for the whole summer. It was yeah. Miserable. miserable. Well, that's good. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you made it out here. You've kind of, BJ's uh, in Eugene, because uh, we're still deciding, like, are we going to move everything here? Are we going to keep both places and kind of just, like, visit each other every couple of weeks or what? So it's nice having you living in the guest shed Yes. And uh, kind of fulfilling her role. You're you're like my my male BJ, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you I guess. bring me you bring me drinks. Sometimes you you bring me food at work. I didn't even ask for those chicken nuggets, but you were there. <laughs> like right on time. Or what do they call them? Like a personal. Uh, I don't know what it is. A personal assistant. Yeah. Right. You're my PA. All right. I like that. Except for I don't get paid. No, nope. <laughs> I get yelled at a lot. Sometimes, <laughs> only when you mess up. Nah, you can't mess up chicken nuggets. That's that is true. Yeah, that is true. So what's going but, on? What's our topic for today? I don't know. That that was something uh, I was gonna ask you uh, about because I know you've been pretty excited. You've been listening to a lot of podcasts and going down the rabbit hole, uh, as they say, in in certain genres. Right, and so I I recorded before uh, when you went to the gym earlier when I thought we were actually going to podcast, but then we didn't, hmm. and now it's late. Um, but I I recorded some predictions, and so after the episode, I will append that uh, to the 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 podcast, and we'll we'll see. Damn, I was we'll excited see. to hear what these predictions. I have no idea what the predictions well, are. Let's just get into what you wanted to start discussing. Well, if you need a, a minute to compose, I will mention that uh, the last episode we did, uh, it was me and the dude D O U X I T on Instagram. He's a bone carver, a uh, friend of mine online. Uh, it makes some really cool stuff. So he wanted to do a podcast, and I was like, "All right, let's uh, we'll do a podcast." So that's uh, that's the last episode. You'll see on the feed six seventy eight. Uh, with the dude, so definitely check that out. Yeah, he's making great pieces of art. Yeah, Super as, cool as a fellow artist, right? You're you're yeah. also an artist. Yeah. You made the album art for Project Smoke a lot and Project LD Fifty. All of those you can find online everywhere. And we got one more coming up. That That's I'm right. Finishing. New I, shit. I actually got. I, I'll, it's. I would say about a third of it left to do. Nice. That's probably about how much I have left on the album to do. Perfect. So we should finish these up at the same time, hopefully. Yeah, we're in sync. That's good. That is good. All right. So I I would guess. How are you? How what have you been getting into while you were in Arizona, sobering up, getting healthy, getting back to the the land of the living? Getting my fucking life together. Getting your shit well, straight. <laughs> I left so when I was in Arizona, well, I left Montana in a bit of a frenzy. Got a lot of paranoia going on, a lot of drug use at the time. And I was like, man, I got to make a change and get the fuck out of 
this mindset and lifestyle that I'd been in. So I went down there, chilled with my family, helped them as much as I could. And, uh, you did that without an intervention or getting right. arrested or like, right. That's and, impressive. And, and actually, so <laughs> my, the whole thing in my head was, you know, I need to put myself in a timeout before someone else puts me in a timeout for real. And I felt like that was kind of a good decision, even though the way I went about it kind of <laughs> was not, the way I intended, but the point is I got it done. I got down there. I sobered up. I stopped like fucking around with the shit that, uh, I didn't need, you know what I mean? And like pop tarts and protein drinks. Right. Well, <laughs> I'm talking about heavy drug use and just like, like what can you, can you tell us a, a little um, now that you're sober and it doesn't matter? Like, well, I mean, allegedly, yeah, I was alleged. I mean, I am sober now, but yeah, I was fucking around. I got into some, Hard drugs, stimulants, a lot of stimulants going okay, on. Okay. And then I was kind of mixing that. I was using downers to kind of go to sleep. And then I was. <laughs> as one is wont to do. Right. It was kind of the white <laughs> trash version of the hippie flip. <laughs> I would go from. Nice. I'd go from, uh, you know. Got to wake up and get going. Up, up, up for three days and then sleep for a solid 16 hours, you know. Nice. And that's not healthy. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> to say Interesting. the least. I, uh, I was doing my best. Um, That's all we can do, Ben. Yeah, and it, and things definitely got better. It was hit, hitting Arizona was definitely like a real low point in my life. A lot of um, just poor decision making, and a lot of like like that got you there, or once you got there. Well, once I got there, I started making better decisions. Well, it, that's good. And it wasn't like an overnight thing. I was still <laughs> sure. being kind of dumb uh, to a certain level, but once I really started, kind of like facing what i'd created for myself i was like fuck i gotta make this better or i might just die <laughs> so yeah yeah we've seen that right so it's um it's been a process i'm getting better i'm doing my best here so 2012 in montana head to arizona how long were you there for well until you came here right well i left i left montana in 2017 oh wow okay so, so you were in montana the rest of that whole time just fucking up <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think 2014 is when kind of the downhill spiral started. Like I was. OK, our, so it wasn't our fault. No, good. It's nobody's That's fault. That's all I needed to hear. I think that uh, I had a shitty relationship. Sure. And then once sure. that started to end, that's when things got way better because that relationship sucked ass. I feel you. As as a, a gentleman who has been in his fair share of right. shitty relationships. Right. Good Lord. Yeah. So. Most. Once that everything started going downhill, I mean, I was trying to do what I could. I thought things were on the up and up, and then I just started using all the drugs one by one. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, one by one. Yeah. And, and it, it's a process. Now I'm up here in California, you know, and things are good. I've got my head on straight. That's for sure. Yeah. A lot of the paranoia is kind of like, went away you know when i was in arizona i did some therapy i got what some... were you paranoid of was this like boogeyman under my bed shit or is this well, like i owe certain people money they might come kill me shit well um just getting in trouble with authorities i think and, and just that constant feeling of being watched or monitored or being on some kind of shit list. Getting in fuck. trouble without actually getting in trouble. You were a or, targeted individual, a TI, if you will. Yeah, I mean, that's something we could get into no, eventually. No, let's, let's. I'm, I'm sorry that you had to go through all that. Yeah, I mean, 
it, it hits a point with certain drugs where you don't really know the difference between reality and what that paranoia is and then what your brain is just hallucinated. And that's real scary because it, it, it makes it hard to make decisions when you need to be making the right decisions. And so I, I don't know. It, but it was, what is what is reality other than a, a construct of that brain? Right. So if that brain gets messed up, it's going to make you this crazy other reality that not very many other people are sharing. Right. And, and that's when they come get you. I think that I kind of like, you know, the paranoia began and then it kind of manifested into someone that maybe needed to be watched to some degree. I'm not really sure how <laughs> the whole thing works or like what they how they make those decisions on who's a piece of shit and who's not. But I must have. Well, every, everyone's assigned a handler as far as I understand. And each handler is responsible for Dunbar's number of individuals, 150. Uh, So they monitor you based on what's, you know, what's going on, Mm. on your socials, work, personal, all aspects of your life. And then they have basically a point system Everyone gets assigned, you know, points and whoever's winning, so to speak, uh, are the ones that are probably getting targeted more. That puts an interesting spin on on this. I never I didn't know that. I didn't know any. Of I that. just made that up. But oh, okay. sounds true. It sounded really true. I God believe it. it. Now I believe it. Let's just say it's true. <laughs> yeah. OK. That's how they monitor you. Yeah. OK. So that's all true. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, you know, and just. Being someone that's like dealt with depression my entire life and not really knowing, I I didn't really label myself as a depressed. I knew I was depressed. I didn't label it as like clinical depression. When I got to Arizona, I was like, I got to make some changes. So I went and saw a doctor and I, um, I started going to therapy and I got on some SSRIs and like just really started piecing everything together. And I've been a lot happier. I found more success and been able to meet like the requirements for like really basic goals and needs for myself. <laughs> Just starting at Maslow's bottom rung on the old triangle oh, of needs. Yeah. And, and it's like weird. Cause I know like now that when I am, I'm out and I see crackheads and like tweakers and all of this, I'm like, man, I was at rock bottom for me personally, but I wasn't really at the rock bottom. Cause some of these people out here are fucking... We see a lot of those out here, huh? That's right, yes. Humboldt's got a, There's a the- healthy, healthy population of people who like to poop in alleys and... They got dreadlocks, they're screaming at cashiers, they're fucking uh, probably rapping to themselves, hanging out by dumpsters a lot. Selling mixtapes. I never did any. I was I was living in my car and just like, you know, parking, turning my phone off and chilling, but... It's a knows? different culture out here. It definitely is. The West Coast <laughs> is so different than Montana. And yet, now that I'm, like, back up north and around trees, I just, like, don't miss Arizona at all. Yeah. When you're... This you're, climate's definitely more... Yeah. Nice, I it, think. It feels, like, more, like, Northwest. Yeah. I mean, it pretty much is. Well, we're Montana kids. I mean, that's... It's in our blood. Yeah, we have to have the trees around. We'll go nut, Dude, cactuses? Fuck a cactus. That shit's <laughs> so whack, dude. You ever tried to fuck a cactus? Yeah. So whack. And, like, just the desert in general... It, yeah, that the, that whole like just the pace of the desert is so different than like anything in the Northwest. So there's not much to really do out there except to wander the desert and get lost and drink cactus. So what did you get into Um, when I was down there? Yeah, I hung out with my family a lot. I spent a lot of time in my mom's spare bedroom. <laughs> OK, OK. That, that, I mean, is that code for something or no, not at all. <laughs> I didn't make too many friends down there. Yeah, um, I, I haven't made it in here. <laughs> yeah, see, and, 
I I actually once all the paranoia had really peaked and I got down there, I got super into conspiracy theories way more than normal. Huh, interesting. Did you do a bug sweep when you first showed up? Yeah, well I did one. Like mom, hold on. I gotta sweep the I gotta <laughs> sweep for bugs first. I didn't do that until a few weeks in. Nice. And that's the level of paranoia we're talking about. But then you kind of realize that like these people that would want to watch an individual, um, they would never come bug your home necessarily. They would just hack your phone, hack your computer, hack your tablet, and then they're really listening to you. If this was like the 80s, they had to bug right. phones and like actually access your domicile. Right. But right. nowadays, like, yeah, everybody has a mic and a camera in their pocket that can be turned on pretty much whenever. Right. You know? And that's going to be what they're shooting for. Of course. You know, they're not. But it's not even them, I feel like. It's just an AI. That's like mm, sifting through all of this. You think there's actual humans? Oh, yeah. I, th I, I think it's an AI that's just like learning Whoa. all about us. And I think the the people that it creates a profile for that are on like the more light side of the spectrum rather than the dark side, not saying like race or anything, but just like white magic, dark magic, like good and evil. Mm -hmm. I think it, it makes a profile, this little Venn diagram sort of thing. And, uh, I think that's what it uses to assess, like, right. who needs an actual human or, follower or, or, or not. Or multiple. I think that, like, I, that's a good point. I think that a lot of it has to do with, like, what are you looking up online? Who are you interacting with? Are these people that you interact with on Facebook, um, are they drug users? Are you a drug user? Uh, are you into, like, weird shit that you shouldn't be into? What You know? And and once you hit a certain amount of check marks, they kind of send out a little talent scout, essentially, <laughs> to come and see what this person's all about. You know? Thinking about bringing you up to the big leagues. We've been watching right. you a while, and, uh, well, your performance is pretty hot. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I think, that, I think that what kind of happens when they make those decisions is they send someone out, they kind of see, are, is this a person a threat to society, a danger to himself or others? And based on that, they can make the decision of, are we going to create a task force to kind of follow this individual, make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and get in their business, you know? What if? There's been plenty of times where, like, I felt like my car was getting tampered with or things from the house were missing, these kind of things. Um, I have countless examples. I can't go into all of them, obviously. But, but. Obviously, I'd have to kill you if I did. <laughs> no, but. well, it's not that. It's just, and you know, it, it's weird because you like, kind of find evidence of, like, of people being in your house or around your vehicle when you 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 know you left it locked you know you is left it though or is that just you being high and forgetting things and then well, seeing them and being like oh how did that get there very I valid. must be being watched that's definitely a valid point and that's something I struggled with a lot um, the thing I can say is that. Yes, a lot of my paranoia can just be easily discredited as drug use or drug abuse. In my case, drug abuse. It wasn't just casual using. It was day in, day out. <laughs> abuse, straight up beat that <laughs> drug's ass. Right. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, some of these things would happen when I'd sober or when I would sober up. I'd be, like, on however long of a bender, and I would, you know, be like, all right, I need to get clean for a few weeks or a month, whatever it is, and I would do that. But then i kind of start the cycle back over. 
And even in those times, I felt like there were still things happening and who knows. Um, but looking back now, do you feel the same way? Absolutely. Like, do you feel paranoid right now? No, I don't feel paranoid. Cause right they're now. listening to you. Well, I know <laughs> I understand. I understand these things, but what I'm saying is that like, I think that my drug use and the drugs I was into, um, work to their advantage. If you're following someone and they try to tell somebody that they're being like, Hey, I'm being followed. Oh, for real. You just then, look like a schizo crackhead. Then yes. Then it's obvious that you're on drugs. And so it immediately discredits you at all costs. Yeah. You know, that's and, step one. And so that, that, that was a big factor. It's like, uh, every time I use drugs, it just fed into the paranoia and made me more paranoid because then I was like, they watch you even harder. They're tracking you even more. They know when to fuck with you. They know when you're awake. <laughs> and so sounds like Sandy Claus. Yeah, no, it was definitely, um, it was a pretty scary time in my life, you know, but, but uh, you're here now. I, I think that even with the sobriety, a lot of things I've been able to kind of like pick apart, all of these incidents that I have in my head, I kind of have them all logged in my head. And it's just like, that one was real. That one was probably <laughs> not a, a hallucination, some kind of delusion that I had, or, you know, and, and when you get into real heavy drug use, the way that I was like, it's pretty easy to like, not have that discernment or have like, uh, I uh, think they're called inhibitions. No, it's not the inhibitions. It's more like, it's more like your perceptions off just, really fragmented and you're not you don't know whether you should trust your gut or not and the paranoia just like makes that uh it just spikes it it spikes it really intensely so i got a i got a question for you going back to the whole ai thing and like kind of keeping track of everyone's profile what if that's the judgment day that was foretold of in all of these religious books but instead of like this spirit, this omnipotent force or whatever, it's this thing that we created that is now basically keeping a record of everything we do. And it then uses that to judge us. I mean, does that just blow your mind? I was thinking well, about that the other night when I was trying to fall asleep. I was like, well, what if that's judgment day? <laughs> Holy right. shit. And, and whether that's like the literal judgment day or not, that's literally how it is and what's happening around us. Yeah. Well, there but, was a Black Mirror episode kind of like that where like everyone's social status was kind of was like right there and you could see in like fives only talk to other fives and, and fours right. or whatever. I forget how it uh, was all set up, but it's that kind of idea. No, I, yeah, definitely. That's interesting. Um, I think that at one point, cause I got on into all this conspiracy theory shit. I had heard rumors of potentially like even your um, interactions on Facebook or maybe Instagram, you know, social media in general could affect your credit score. Have you heard about this? No. Okay. So like, Makes sense. If though. your credit score gets pinged or let's say it got pinged because you interact with an individual that's got like a little bit lower of, of, of a score. Let's say you. I want to buy a car and they go onto my Instagram and see me popping forties and getting turned every night. Right. Like, do you think they're going to give me the loan for that car? Well, jobs already do that. They'll hop on your Facebook real quick right after the interview and say, nah, oh, sure. fuck this guy. But as an employer, like, wouldn't you want to know like what your peeps are getting up to totally. after hours? Totally. Yeah. I think that's really common. I mean, it makes sense. Why wouldn't they, as like a growing business, they would definitely want to use something like that to their advantage. Yeah. I'm not you trying know? to hire someone that's getting wasted every night. That's right. going to come in hungover and not do a good job. Right. 
um or or maybe like just to see what other people like oh do i know any of his friends do i remember <laughs> any of his friends from high school or maybe oh, do my kids have friends you know they can watch that it's pretty simple to just like hop you i mean does that feed your paranoia for me yeah no i don't give a fuck that a boy I, you, the only things see the, the things that I gave a shit about when I was really paranoid were things that were very real to me. And I mean, I even have friends that like were in my circle at the time that like, they're like, Oh yeah, that was weird. That was a weird interaction. I, I noticed <laughs> Just that feeding too. your paranoia. Right. And then you hey, start, Ben, who was that? <laughs> right. And then you start looking for confirmation constantly and that's where it gets real bad. And you mix in right. a few days, no sleep on top of that. Um, a lot of stimulant use, you know, and, and it gets real bad. And, uh, yeah, I mean, looking for that confirmation became like routine, you know, constantly observing my environment, who's around me, what my phone's doing, is it overheating, am I hearing cracks when I talk on the phone? <laughs> and and the fact that like I was just living kind of like a grimy lifestyle added to it too. It's right. like it's and it was kind of like a I manifested it. It's like the paranoia. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely. You know, the paranoia came before like these things that I started looking for. And the more I started looking for it, the more I started finding it. Of you know? course, that's how it works. And it was, you know, it's awful. It, it was really a bad time. So doing better now, though. Yeah, way better. That's I, awesome. I'm actually feeling good about things. And I was feeling good about things in uh, Arizona. You know, after the first year, it was super lonely. I didn't make any friends or really have So I was talking on the phone, you know, with people from Montana quite a bit and uh, hanging out with my uh, family and that kind of thing. But a lot of this time was just kind of like reflection, like what kind of decisions was I making at the time to lead to where I was? And, right. you know, um, I think one of the big things that really helped me was like making that decision to go to therapy and kind of help process all of this. And like the fact that I did it on my own, you know, without somebody telling me to like made me believe in the therapy more, I guess. Yeah, it was my decision. You know, when you're forced into a situation like let's say someone gets a DUI and then they have to go take classes about alcohol. And they're like, Oh, this is fucking bullshit. But when you recognize a problem and kind of yeah. head it off ahead of time, it makes you kind of like respect those benefits more, you know, it's the only way addicts really ever get off drugs. Like you have to actually yourself be like, yo, okay, this is fucking, it's killing time to kill. me. Yeah, yeah, totally. For sure. And you know, I'm happy I made those decisions when I did and I should have made them sooner. But the fact that I made them at all is like, it was pretty monumental in my life, yeah, you know, so definitely. Yeah. So you got into a lot of, uh, conspiracy theory stuff, yeah. a lot of like serial killer stories. I feel like every night at work, uh, you tell me about a new serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Is this like becoming a thing for you or like, um, should I be worried that you're living in my guest shed? No, no, okay. <laughs> no. I mean, I guess in Arizona, like, at first, I didn't have the internet, so I was just going off my data on my phone. So I just started listening to a ton of podcasts, you know, and... Podcasts are so hot right now. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. When we were doing them, no one gave oh. a shit. Oh, you're ahead of the curve. Right? Look at this. We have a mixer years. and mics. Like, what's up? Well, I mean, and what? You're <laughs> at episode 700? 679? I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah almost. 679, so... There I mean, was a good three-year hiatus there before me and BJ started doing them again from uh, Eugene. But a lot of these, the <clears throat> most popular podcasts out there, they're around three to 400 episodes. Yeah. Well, a lot of them are new, and a lot of them are hosted by, like, stars right. or celebs that already have, like, this built-in following. Well, I'm just so. saying in terms of, like, 
how many times you've recorded. Yeah, you, you have more got... than I'd care to admit because I was producing other shows for a while there too. We had the Hotbox oh, yeah. and the Android Show and the Tech Show. Damn, and, yeah. So you've been at it. Yeah, you've been grinding, and uh, <laughs> I mean that's impressive because a lot of people kind of go from like one episode and they don't know if they're doing enough to two episodes. You've been doing what? How many? Oh, uh, we used to do three a week. But three a week. Can't do that anymore. Three show. I know, right? We also used to do a lot of drugs. So right, yeah. The drugs fueled a lot of that. They definitely help in certain ways, for sure. Yeah. But now look at us. Just, I know. Just living our best sober lives. And Matt's over here double-fisting rock stars. Rock stars Talking about Red sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. So, should we get into our topic? Yeah, I've I've been waiting. Okay. Waiting with bated breath. It, it's a real bummer. I really wanted to know what your guess was. But if I tell you what my prediction, it's not a guess, it's a prediction. Okay. okay. I'm not a gambler, I'm a psychic. If I would have told you, then you would have just changed, you would have moved the old goalposts. Nope. Absolutely. When not. did you start vaping, bro? Sorry, I you know vape. that's killing people, and you're vaping in my my studio here. Hey, we're living. <laughs> what are we doing? We're living, living life. We're doing our best. That's right. All right. So, well, my guess, my my do guess. Do you want to do a commercial first? I know we have all these new sponsors that we need to. <laughs> <laughs> we're working. At, we're gonna get some sponsorship. No, we're not. Hopefully, no, we're not. Yo, shout out Casper Mattress. Don't say that. Fucking shout out Blue bro, Apron, bro. Uh, Manscape, <laughs> shout out Manscape. <laughs> Come trim our balls for us. <laughs> oh my god! So sweet. So my guess, my guess about your predictions. Don't guess. Just go with what you were gonna do. Okay, so. When I got here... You said you were going to educate me. I'm going to educate you. I am. So when I got here, um, Matt, he didn't know too much about the Wu-Tang Clan. And... (laughs) (laughs) And... Wow, I was way off. One night at work, he came yelling at me about how Red Man was part of the Wu-Tang Clan. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And I made a decision. (laughs) And I told him, I was like, man, no, he's not. And so even our supervisor was like, yes, he is. It says right here. And he's a big hip hop head. Oh, he's yes, that's true. That's true. And so Red Man's an affiliate of the Wu-Tang Clan, also cousins with Method Man. Okay. they've done some movies together. They've made some albums together. And you fancy yourself a bit of a... Wu-Tang fan. Connoisseur. A hip hop connoisseur. Oh, definitely. Historian, perhaps. Yeah, I would say me. You've written your fair share of uh, lyrics on Rap Genius. Yeah, right. Sure. (laughs) So... Um, actually, that's not what he said there. He actually said. <laughs> right. No, I love getting on there, especially like with Aesop Rock's lyrics, because it's so hard to dissect his shit. It's like so abstract at times and then very, uh, uh, I think he writes those lyrics and they're so personal to him that we couldn't really ever figure out what the fuck he's talking about. But it, we can. But his, his, the way that he goes about every, you know, his flow and his whole style it just kind of resonates with fucking couple of drug addicts like us, doesn't it? It sure does. Yeah. Definitely one of my top fives. Oh, yeah. He, he's great. And you know what? He's also from New York. Wu-Tang, yep. Staten Island. So That's interesting, because I never fancied myself much a fan of the East Coast scene as much as I am of, obviously, the West Coast, which is where we ride right now. And the more you listen to the East Coast rap and hip-hop, 
the more you respect it, because they really are the people that, I mean, that's where it all started. A lot of the hip hop started there. That's what the Netflix documentary taught us. Right. Yes. Um, and I feel like the West coast is like the innovators. They put more of like, uh, kind of like their own fluidity and their own style into these things that they pick up from the East coast. You know, um, I I'd say the East coast is more of like a grimy style and more, they're more sharp with their words. Whereas like Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, all these West coast artists that have been around forever, they kind of flow with the music a little bit more. And maybe even, do you think that's because the East coast doesn't have Dre making their beats? Well, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of that old gangster rap, they had, they all had a lot of similar styles in their beats. I mean, Dr. Dre did like, he kind of did the G funk thing and like that high pitch whistle, which everybody fucking loves. Right. Yeah, all that ride stuff. with me, and I think that probably inspired. I also feel like the West Coast definitely has more of a laid back vibe. Um, when you get a, I mean, when you were get you to, gonna make fun of me now for not knowing? No, the no, Wu Tang no, no. that no. that Red Man wasn't. No, that's not the point. Oh, okay. I I knew that you were gonna feel that way, so I took a different route. No, damn. <laughs> no, I'm just M kidding. Night Shyamalan over here making plot well, twists. So what I wanted to do was kind of give you a rundown of Wu Tang, and maybe we oh. could do a little quiz at the end. Oh, interesting. Okay. And, and see if um you're able to name the nine members. Oh my god. Of the Wu Tang, it's really easy. I mean, if you listen to their music more, they like say it a lot. Yeah. No, I know. Okay, so. <clears throat> we got the Rizza, the Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard, Inspected Deck. <laughs> OD. <laughs> Raekwon. ODB. You got Ghostface Killer and Method Man. Nice. I mean, I'll, I'll say it a few times. I like maybe like three of those artists, I would say. Well, I think. In my rotation. Method Man, Red Man, who I noticed you didn't mention. And then also... Uh, you got Maybe this. just two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, ODB. I like I like a little oh, old, yeah. old dirty. Yeah, he's great. I think um, he was great. I, I'd say he's still pretty great. He's dead now, though, he, right? He is. Yes. Okay. I think that so for me, ODB, he's more of an enigma than he ever was Ooh. like an artist. I listened to he's he's like a personality. I mean, he's big. You know what I mean? He I think he's the only member to do any tracks within St. Clown Posse. Damn. And so when you talk about lyricism and these like style creators coming out of New York for him to like rock out with fucking ICP, that that's kind of that's big for ICP. Not so big for Wu-Tang. True. Yeah. True. And I kind of respect it, though, in the sense that it's like it's ODB and he can just do whatever he wants. He's, right. He's right. not going to not be dope because of that. You know what I'm saying? Because of these clowns. Right. <clears throat> right. So, Literal clowns, right? Right. Very nice. Thank you. So we got, um, so the RZA, he's the producer. He Is he the one that was in How High? No, Method Man <laughs> is. <laughs> Method Man and Red Man are in How High. The RZA, uh, he's, uh, he's kind of a, I think he's like hella tall. I want to say he's like 6'4", skinny, lanky dude. He's the producer. And so like these old beats that you would hear from the 90s, he, he's the they were all kind of he into, made them. He made the beats. He stole the samples and and made them. Right. And right. so these guys back in the day, ooh, allegedly, back in the day, they would rent out these theaters, movie theaters, and just watch kung fu flicks and just do their drugs and fucking party in there all night, which is like a really cool kind of background story for all of them. Interesting. You know? So, the Jizza, he's he's a real 
lyrically, he's probably the sharpest one. But I mean, that's really hard to discern. If the RZA or Method Man heard you say that, would they agree or disagree? I think they might agree. Hmm. I think they might. Um, So RZA and Jizz are cousins. I think that ODB is also their cousin. So those three are cousins. And then Method Man and Red Man, also cousins. Now, Hmm. I feel like the Jizza, he lyrically, he's like almost, I would say, his thug is fucked, but he's also like a conscious hip hop artist. And I think that he has a lot of really good wordplay. He was actually my, probably my favorite Wu-Tang member um, for a long time because Liquid Swords is just such a fucking good album. And like, I feel like his flow is pretty distinct. I guess they're all really distinct, but he was very distinct like on that first album, 36 Chambers, and uh, always stood out to me probably the most at the time. But now that I'm going back and listening to all these albums... Knowing what you know about life. Right. It's like, it is really hard to fucking make a decision or like say who's my favorite in the Wu-Tang. It is ridiculous. Are you a fan of Kung Fu movies also? Um, What is the significance of that? Is it just something that happened to be playing in the theaters or were they like actually into that? Oh, they're super into it. As Uh, someone who speaks on behalf of the Wu-Tang clan, Ben. (laughs) Yeah, Wu-Tang representative. Please. Um. (laughs) Uh, no, they're into it for sure. I mean, that was their whole thing, you know, and they were putting all these dope ass samples in their beats and they were kind of picking up different styles of rapping yeah. about sword play rapping. I Do think, you think that's just because it's really fun to scratch sword sounds? Um, I think it's because like when you listen to their music, a lot of their samples are like, my style cannot be defeated. Right. I have many styles. I want to fight you. Right. Brother. Right. And so that's like, you know, that's a good description of like what their styles are is they're talking about their styles and what they're dedicated to and like how, Hmm. how much better they are. You know, if if there was a battle scene in, in on the East coast back then, they would have been like top dogs, you know, great freestylers, great rappers, great lyricism. Who do you think would win between Cadillac Ron and (laughs) the Jizza? Oh, probably the Jizza. You think so? I think that would get, Real hairy. Uh, what about ODB versus Cadillac Ron? I don't. That would be insanely right? bizarre. Could to you watch. imagine? <laughs> I don't. Two know. of the greats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could put them in the same league, even because they're. I, I've never seen a battle with any of the Wu Tang members. I also, yeah, it's because they don't have time for that silly shit. Well, I think that back in the early '90s, we don't have a lot of footage from back then. You right. know, and we don't have a lot of recordings. And so what they did, actually, the Wu-Tang is kind of known for and what I've noticed on their albums. Um, they they have like Method Man versus Raekwon. And then, you know, is Raekwon a Wu-Tang member? He sure is. Nice. Yeah, he's he's fucking awesome. So I was listening to a bunch of Raekwon this week and uh, he's real. He's like a real sharp lyricist and very to the point and very like all of his lyrics really pack a punch. I, he's kind of like a Rottweiler, you know, hmm. just super aggressive Attack dog. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like real aggressive rapper for sure. And a lot of these, all of them, you know, have a real good understanding of the streets and where they're from and, uh, managed to stay relevant all these years. I mean, it's 2019. I think that their first album came out in like 91. I should have wow. written that down. That's, in my notes. Uh, but that is a legacy. That's longevity in yeah. this game. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the only one to die so far was ODB, huh? Yeah. Like, none of them have managed to, like, get right. taken out by other rival 
parties or, or whatever. Yeah, for sure. It's um, crazy. Yeah, it is pretty crazy because you think think about like other hip hop groups, um, like Tribe Called Quest. They lost one of their members. That's a third of their members. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? In a three man group like that. And so do you think they saw that like coming that they were like, you know, these streets are hard. We better get a bunch of members that way. If we lose one or two, like, you know, no big, I think, mm, no, I don't think they looked at it like that. <laughs> I think, I don't know. I think they kind of predicted it in the early music saying like, we're, we're here for the long haul. We want to make a fucking empire out of this. And they did. They really have. Yeah. I mean, because all of each of them as individuals, are amazing all of them together is just ridiculous do you think that's where d12 went wrong Mm. is that they had that group they had a bunch of like really good lyricists and performers but individually they didn't really release much um i think eminem kind of talked about that on his last album a little bit i think that eminem at as Eminem's representative here on the jam hole. <laughs> I think that Eminem um, kind of lost track of himself and also maybe lost track of time and didn't have time to like really work together with a group that he put together. And he was, right. you know, he was starting his label. And then you add <clears throat> how many people were in D12? Uh, six of them, six. each with two different personalities. So, oh. so 12. <laughs> Very nice. I would have never known that. So uh, I think that. Can you name all 12 members? <laughs> I don't even think I can name four of them. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, what do we got? Proof, Bizarre, Eminem. Shifty. Shifty. Or what is it? Swifty McVeigh? Was that his name? Shifty McVeigh. Yeah. Obi Trice. Obi Trice. Was no. he one? No, he wasn't part of D12. Okay. He was just kind of a protege. But did you say Bizarre? Yeah, I did. Did you say Royce to 5'9"? I don't think he was in it either, was he? I don't know. Oh, shit. I'm just saying. We got to brush up on hip hop if we're going to talk about it. If we're going to release this new album, <laughs> fuck. Well, um, I, no, I don't think they went into it. I think... I don't think they went into it like, oh, we have to have nine people. So if we lose a couple, we'll be good. <laughs> I don't okay. th- I think they had a genuine friendship from the start. Yeah. I also think that they had been, to, you know, they had been a tight click since they were super young. You know, I think when 36 Chambers came out, those guys were in their early 20s and they were just like really blowing up the whole game. You know, yeah. Has Takashi outed any of them yet? Sure. He better not because Oof. we need Wu-Tang to stick around for Oof. a while. How about that guy? So I started getting into... So are we done with the hip-hop history? No. Oh. Absolutely not. I got got show notes and everything, bro. Damn, son. (laughs) So I think this last week when I was listening to a lot of Wu-Tang, there were certain albums I'd listened to a lot. A lot of Method Man. Yeah, he's definitely one of my faves. Right. And he's amazing. I think that he's probably the most commercially viable I think that he's um, very marketable, and I think that's why he's probably the most well-known member. He kind of went like the Ice Cube route of like doing movies and just playing the game and building right this massive thing. And and he's still putting out albums, as far as I know. And yeah, the Meth Lab albums are dope. Yeah, and uh, so are Ghostface Killer and Raekwon. And um, so when I was listening to these, I. I was trying to find each of their first albums so I could check them out. And I kind of got stuck on Iron Man, which is an album from the Ghostface Killer. It features Raekwon and Capadonna. Capadonna is kind of like 
He's, is he a Wu-Tang member? He's a Wu-Tang affiliate. <laughs> okay, so we have members and then we have affiliates. Right. No, actually, Wu-Tang, like, signed a lot of people to their label and, like, were putting out a lot of music with these other artists. As affiliates, affiliates. but not actual inductees into the Wu-Tang clan. Right. 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 Like, right. like you have the Wu-Tang clan and then you have the Killer Bees, and the Killer Bees right. would pretty much be the affiliates. Nice. I don't know if that's a good way to describe that. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Hopefully. Street team. Right. right. So um, so I started listening to Ghostface Killers album, the I- or Iron Man, and I didn't know how much I fucking love Ghostface Killer. That dude fucking raps hard as fuck. He's so talented. All these dudes are talented as fuck, but like Ghostface kind of, I feel, stayed re- extremely relevant. You know, he's still out there giving uh, interviews and he's still releasing music, but his flow hasn't changed and he stayed like, just fucking real grimy, real buttery. He's, is that who I hear you bumping in the Prius? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> All day. All day. So I also checked out this album. Uh, it's called Only Built for Cuban Links, and that's from Raekwon. That's his first album. Hmm. And a lot of Wu-Tang fans will argue that that's, their, that's his best album. Um, Speaking on behalf of all Wu Tang fans now. Well, from like friends and people that I've met, that's kind of one that gets mentioned the most. Basically, uh, my assessment is that like each of these guys, they have their Wu Tang albums and then they all have their solo projects. But in the early days, Rizzo was producing all of their shit and a lot of the other members were hopping on their albums. I mean, every solo album. You could almost just call a Wu Tang album because they have so many tracks together. It's right. these guys have made so much fucking music over the years. It's ridiculous. I mean, if you count each one of them, has probably got what I would say at least ten to fifteen to twenty albums. I'd say five to twelve each. I'd minimum. say ten to fifteen because yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, ten, let's go with ten to fifteen. There we go. And then you get nine members. So what is that? That's like. 900 albums now i mean 900 tracks maybe sure but then you've got their their wu-tang as a as a group in the early years that those are the albums that are most memorable and those are the albums that really put them on the map put staten island on the map put new york on the map and just flawless flawless music that they generated um and wanted to be heard by everybody, East Coast, West Coast. They kind of transcended all of the East Coast, West Coast rivalry that was going on in the 90s. And no one ever really, as far as I know, had never really, like, fucked with anybody in the Wu-Tang because they're just so well-respected and put out such awesome music. Um, there, Have you ever heard, you know, Action Bronson? You familiar with that guy? Mm-hmm. Okay. He, his, a lot, I've heard people say he's like the white ghost face. Do you agree with that statement? No. I haven't listened to him enough to know. Well, it's not really in, in the old rotation. They do sound similar. They do have, I mean, you can tell that Action Bronson was definitely inspired by Wu-Tang, and he's got just that, he, he has a similar flow. And Is that the food guy? Flow. Yeah, the big fat food the guy. The food guy? Okay. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. Shout out Action Bronson. He's a yeah. fucking dope rapper. Is he sponsoring uh, the show? God, I hope so. Jesus, get him in here. <laughs> Action Bronson, if you ever listen to this. You're invited to the jam hole. Don't you can't just invite people to my house, bro. Not to the house. Well, oh, you can come to the house. Hey, action! You can come to the house. You can, you can <laughs> stay in the guest shed with Ben. That's right. Okay, so early years of Wu Tang. Um, 
Their first album was... Did you do like a book report, basically? Well, that's like, what I, is that what, what we're doing here? That's what I was um, excited to do. Okay, that's cool. That's I was so excited about That's this. awesome. So, Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers. That was their first album. That's where Bring the Ruckus comes from. Uh, you know, Wu-Tang Clan ain't none to fuck with. Straight yep. from the motherfucking... Yeah, yep. okay. I am familiar with that. That's where that comes from. Oh, also, word. also they coined CREAM, C-R-E-A-M. Yeah. Acronym for Cash Rules Everything Around Me. Also another... Hmm. track on the album um they that originated everything that was like the real kickoff and i think for a lot of mcs and a lot of hip-hop artists rapper you know rap artists rappers out there i think that was a point in time where a lot of things were sounding the same and a lot of things were very early 90s commercial which is not quite as commercial as what things are now and i like naughty by nature um do you remember them I'm thinking more like Vanilla Ice. Oh, okay. It would be like super commercial. Sure. Naughty by Nature is fresh as fuck. Those good. They those were guys, pretty dope, dude. They're so good. And actually, for as far as like early years, they were some of the first rappers to really be spitting it. Like, they like were some of the fast. first tapes I had for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think that Thirty Six Chambers kind of gave hip hop artists a voice to kind of go, "Hey, we don't have to do this the commercial way, and we can kind of like kick this off and uh, flow." like openly and or not openly just more freely and not be like so uh bound to what the industry might want and what did the music industry have to say about that they wouldn't play them i I think that in their early years um wu-tang was requested on radios and they weren't they were like radio stations were playing their shit and you'd have to call and ask for it i don't think that Right off the bat, they were just like thrown onto MTV. And in fact, I think a lot of the early shit, especially for gangster rap, which it's funny to me, like you have gangster rap and you have G Funk in those early years, and Wu Tang wasn't really in the G Funk category or really in the gangster rap category. And I think they were like very much so, like just straight up fucking hip hop, doing exactly what they wanted and doing it fucking well, you know. <clears throat> the four elements. Right. Not just not just the one. That's right. Right. So um, the albums that I had listened to when I was younger quite a bit were The W, which is has a bunch of great features on it. Just a, just a solid, solid album. I, Snoop Dogg was on there. Uh, who's Chef on South Park? Isaac Hayes. Isaac Hayes, He yeah. was on there. Nas was on there. Um, Damn. Capadonna was on there. Redman was on there. Did I say Snoop Dogg? Snoop Dogg was Snoop. on there. Snoop. Yeah. Um, you know... A lot of great features, a lot of great tracks, a really soulful mix of like uh, just straight up hip hop. But then they have like some real deep cutting, like agonizing kind of beats on there with samples of mothers crying and uh, police reports and this kind of stuff. Um, It was a heavy album, but then like the bangers were just fucking dope. Like Gravel Pit is fucking awesome. And one thing I definitely want to say is like nine members in the Wu-Tang and these guys were doing tracks. Sometimes they wouldn't even have a chorus. Like they all just sounded so good. It just was just straight not, verse. Oh yeah. And it'd be like, you know, six or seven of them in a row for four minutes straight. That is, that's what's dope. up. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we had Wu Tang forever. I think that was a really popular album. I didn't do much research on it. I've listened to it a million times, but that had triumph and reunited, which are two of their most classic tracks, which I'll have to play for you sometime. Um, that's like really good examples of like what an MC, 
has the capability of doing. That's what I should be aspiring to in my albums. That sort of greatness. Um, no, you <laughs> no. need to do it your way. But I'm just saying, I, all I'm saying is that like, you don't get a lot of that these days. There's usually like 16 bars a chorus, 16 bars a chorus, maybe 16 bars in the outro, and it's over. I just do 16 bars and then make my brother do some scratching, and then I do another 16. That's and dope. then scratch it out. Yeah, that's dope. done. Oh, that was another thought done. that I had when I was listening to all of this shit was like, early Wu-Tang? There wasn't a ton of turntable shit going on. There was some. Don't get me wrong, but RZA was more like manufacturing and like laying out the beats in a way that would like cater to the MCs. He wasn't necessarily going in there and like doing a ton of scratching and stuff, um, which is, you know, that that's interesting because I think back then a lot of turntable and like a lot of DJs were coming out in the early years and uh, kind of you heard a lot more scratching even in the late 80s you were hearing a lot of scratching on albums did theirs didn't have as much so f r e s h fresh 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 so um and another album i checked out quite a bit when i was younger was iron flag which was super dope but i don't think that 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 was kind of late 90s i want to say maybe even early 2000s and they uh that album did not have like the, it had a different sound. It had a different feel. It didn't have those early years with the kinds of samples and shit that were going on. Still a super dope album. I was banging that shit a lot back in like 2002, three, four, a lot of it. So yeah, <clears throat> I think, I mean, I can, I got more if you want. I don't know what our time limit is. Or uh, how we're doing. Hey, it's your book report, bro. Okay, cool. Well, uh, I have one. A couple. You keep going. I need to go get some weed. And maybe we should pause real quick. No, I'll, and you I'll take keep a going. Pee. I nope. got a pee. Doesn't matter. Oh my god. Keep going. God damn it. Just get pause. Through it. Get through it. No. Get through it. I'm going pee. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go pee. I'll tie up a noose with a few loose ends Then cook up a goose with a few good friends Don't refuse to look when the stew gets rolled in We're all jerky when the meat gets salted No squirming when the heat is altered I'm still learning, still exhausted Sitting here trying to imagine the look When the universe sees what we did with a book ha, Still dealing with the fallout Good looking out for one another Till we snuff this little war out They sit up burn down the burrows in the the horse house is too bad the only truth is coming out the brothel march on the capitol and burn the stores down nothing trumps that now look who's being awful really tried to teach us how to solve our problems without dealing with the universe as hostile focus on the one that's big block and all that other shit raised on that p-funk lsd mothership not like these other kids it's a simple art of my control so mind your own rock the boat sit down and mark the dope with the subtle flick they all fall down like dominoes and that's all it takes to vomit Quantum field code, then computer crashes Just another day with an information savage Quantum field code, then computer crashes Just another day with an information savage Let me kick it for a minute, I'll get vicious then manipulate Patience wearing thin while I'm mimicking what's in my plate Gimmicks come a dime a dozen, rhyme skills rival thunder Ripping Torah, final summits, y'all best hide your onions Dipping limits, giving critics through the scrimmage Flipping digits through crypto bridges, let's make a hedge fund Like Sonic dropping coins off 
nothing Faucet soften the fall when it drops to rock bottom Time is worth more than money Bees argue over honey And all that from planting seeds Don't you feel funny? Twenty racks eyes spinning like a pinwheel Pump and dump the only way these dicks can make a pig squeal They said to turn back the nerds who looked off white It's too bad the nerds wrote the code for the launch site March on the game stop and lob the bombs right Through their front windows while we argue over copyright It's all sloppy, I'm dead set then Let the zombies do the dirty work of henchmen And if I'm still breathing then there's no time to rest yet I'm killing every day until my deathbed Quantum field code, then computer crashes Just another day with an information savage Quantum field code, then computer crashes Just another day with an information savage Alright, are you all done peeing? I'm done, that was awesome Okay That was uh, three Red Bulls and a gallon of water so Nice They're actually just two rock stars, if I was being honest I got my weed, so please continue <clears throat> Okay, so just a little thing, a little excerpt that I wanted to t- kind of talk about um, That... I thought was interesting, especially my conspiracy brain going off. So back in 1999, the FBI was investigating the Wu-Tang Clan. Um, thought that possibly they were gang members or some kind of mob, um, maybe trafficking drugs or arms or something to that effect. So they were following them around. They were monitoring what they're doing, interacting with, and all of this. And Are what, you saying Wu-Tang was a uh, T.I.? In a sense, that they were definitely a point of interest. And I think that a lot of MCs in that era, and even now, when you see Takashi, that fucking weirdo, and, uh, you know, other artists, when they start to get big, they kind of, the, the feds want to put an eye on them, see what they're up to. And it makes sense. I mean, that's totally, that that's a legitimate thing. And so they were being investigated, um, <clears throat> possibly for racketeering, but I think the focal point was... There were a couple of dudes, drug dealers, that were murdered. And the FBI suspected that Ray Kwan and the RZA had hired someone to murder these two dudes. Um, so they're getting followed around quite a bit. And I'm, you know, just knowing the amount of paranoia that I've felt in my life, no, like finding out that the feds are watching you for potential murder or homicide is like probably a very intense situation. Especially if you've been rapping about such things. Right. And yeah, definitely. I think that um a lot of their lyrics were influenced by the shit going on in the streets and happening at that time. You know, these dudes were all born basically in the early seventies. They survived the crack ep- epidemic. I mean <coughs> aside from ODB who did not survive the crack epidemic. I think he did. Well, he died. Yeah, but that was after all that shit, wasn't it? But I think he died from crack use. Well, yeah, but that wasn't during those times. No, no. He made it out of that section he of made it out time of that era. But, you know, I think that the crack epidemic, um, it lingers still. People are being affected by what was going on with Reaganomics and that whole thing in the 80s. You know, a lot of them had family members, or not them specifically, but a lot of people in New York had family that was members the that were influenced by it. Yeah. So those kind of lyrics about murder and the mayhem, drug dealing, all this shit that was going on in New York would have to influence your daily life. And especially if you grew up, um, you know, they were in Staten Island. And from what I understand, that's like no joke, you know. Well, people don't make it out of there alive. Um Ever. Or or unaffected by those those things that were happening, you know. So <clears throat> they were on, under in investigation 
that went on until 2004. And then in 2015, a couple of dudes were convicted of those homicides. And so I think the case had remained that open. long after? Yeah. Damn. DNA evidence. Ah. Probably some 23andMe shit going on. Right. Yeah, that's kind of... Hey, sir, you'll want to come take a look at this. Right. Absolutely. So... I thought that was an interesting thing to toss in there. Um, Do you think the two dudes that were convicted actually were the ones that did it, or were they being framed by those who did it? So, well, they they were convicted of murder, and uh, Risen and Raekwon were only being investigated for suspicion of like hiring someone to do the murder. So I'm not really sure. And this was pre-Craigslist, right? You couldn't just go on and be like, hey, I need somebody right. to kill my wife because she's a fucking bitch. It's probably just in the newspaper at that time. Right. Classified but, section. Right. Um, but I I don't know for sure. I could, I would say this. The Wu-Tang Clan, very smart individuals, and if they were involved with any drug trafficking or anything, they wouldn't get caught because they're smart about what they do and i'm not i'm not saying that they did i'm not saying that they didn't i'm just saying that they're smart about what they do and the way they go about things and the way that they've put their life together um all nine of them they they were on track to becoming multi-millionaires and influence an entire culture and even the world you know um I don't think that they needed to fuck around with drug smuggling or anything like that. Right. That was what the people that were listening to their music in the streets, like on the front lines, basically of that whole fucking environmental. Right. I think, um, you know, they've got their own, they've all put out, they've got their own clothing brand. They've all put out movies. They're all putting out great music. Yeah. Mad diversification of the old portfolio and a shitload of, I mean, they're, they're rocking concerts. They're doing all their solo stuff. I I really don't see when they would have time for that. I mean, who knows who really knows? Um, but they were making plenty of money, you know, they're, they're really they're. I don't even know if they've peaked in success. They're still have all stayed relevant for what? 20 years now. almost 30 years damn started making music back in like the late 80s and really going like public and like nationally known um in the early 90s and ever since they have been doing concerts and still getting on like npr and still getting on like bbc radio all this shit you know so i thought that was a a fun trivia for everybody to learn (laughs) i don't know (laughs) and now you're smarter right yeah so i hope everybody enjoyed this little rant and uh education (laughs) well i can't wait to see what you educate us on next time yeah i'll I'll have to do i'll have to brainstorm another one who knows this time it's hip-hop next time it could be conspiracy well let's speaking of conspiracy i had a couple things i was gonna chat with you with uh before we wrap this up how do you feel about drones like are you I, i don't like them i don't like them (laughs) um i think well when i was using a lot of drugs uh you know i'd be looking up at the sky and you see drones you're like is that a plane or is it not and they have like almost like a cloaking device in the sense that like they have little lights on that can make you think that it's a plane that's way off in the distance really it's a drone that's like fairly close and who knows what kind of cameras these things have on them you know are they are they black and white grainy cameras or are they they can scope in you x-rays know? or maybe actually I heard a rumor. 
this dude down there in Arizona that I worked with told me that their their police department has a drone that has a certain type of camera that can um it, it works on infrared light. Oh yeah. And so it can pick up body heat. Oh yeah. And so with that they can see who's on drugs and who's not. Because once you're <laughs> because you get so hot when you're high. <laughs> yeah, like if you're if you're on like meth. Well, I I would assume, are they looking at the people, or are they looking at the crack pipe getting rolled? (laughs) Well, what I'm saying, yeah, that's true. I I think that, I I don't know. They're a lot smarter than us. They're either taking dabs or smoking crack. Either way, let's go get them. Let's say, say for example, if they were monitoring an individual, um, and they wanted to know when he was high or using, maybe they just, like, fly a drone over his house, say, oh, his, his body temps way the fuck up. It's safe to say that he's high on drugs. But I don't know how true that is. I do know they use them for, and I don't know about drones, but they do use infrared stuff to find illegal grows and everything. Because if, oh, okay. if you're like a house and you're growing weed, your house heat signature is going to be noticeably warmer than the rest of the houses, unless wow. everyone in your neighborhood is, is also is in a grow. Trap- yeah, wow. totally. That's crazy. Yeah, I never thought of that. But it's crazy because it's such a new technology. Like, but just, you know, like, Pre-2010, it really wasn't a thing. Yeah. I mean, it was starting to become a thing, I guess. But as far as, like, military and countries, uh, this says in 2010, around 60 countries had drones. And now there's 95 countries that all have them. And there's about 21,000 drones in service around the world. Wow. That's a lower number than what I thought. I know that down in Arizona, because of the the, the uh, Mexico border is right there, they have a lot of drones for border patrol that they can kind of just feed to the AI and the AI tells you who to go pick up or maybe Sweet. maybe to like if they can't have eyes on every area, they'll just fly them in areas where they know people are crossing illegally and right. then they can kind of scout them out and like maybe see what paths they're taking or like what they've brought with them, that kind of thing or where they can head them off, you know. Who knows? Also, you know, actually, Robbie told me he he had a, he had bought a drone. He got into like flying drones, maybe <laughs> to like uh, record weddings or like anniversaries, parties, this kind of stuff. Sure. He was saying that um, the cameras on those, he they use a software. You hook it up to your tablet so you can fly the drone around. He said that like you can put in like a number of feet that you want it to fly and a number of miles out that it'll fly and yeah. only go to that. Yeah. Point. Yeah. You can like program their flight right. paths and all that shit. Right. And so then you can also do like facial recognition. And of course. So like you can have the drone fly right next to an individual as long as their face is showing and it will stay right next to whatever speed they're going. <laughs> you know, is that creepy? Are I we, are it. we creepy? Yet? I hate it. Once he told me that, like, <laughs> and, and, and that was, he was telling me that like pretty much at the peak of my drug abuse. And I was just like, Oh God, they're everywhere. They're in my brain. You know, that's crazy. Yeah, it really was. You know, how do you feel about mass shootings? I've been seeing a lot of those lately. Oh, they're bad. You know, who hasn't really had a lot is Canada until just recently. Well, Sunday morning. That was this morning. Really? Yeah. Canada's like, hold my beer. Check this shit out. So what happened? Uh, four people, six people treated for gunshot wounds. They were just at this uh, nightclub, you know, just partying. Yeah. And then shit popped off. Damn. So in what was this person going in there with with the nobody knows? Oh, okay. Like it's still nobody knows who did it. They just 
gunshots, people running around, someone called 911. That is horrifying. And I hate The cops that reaching out for anyone that has any info. Damn. That's so crazy, though. I mean, it's it's not like here in America. It's like it happens so often. But yeah. to see it happen in Canada, like they're supposed to be the nice the nice ones. Well, where's the, I mean, what are their gun laws like? I don't know how much that really affects mass shootings, but I would say that like. I don't know. Think Canadians have a lot of guns. They're hunters. They're out in the middle of the right. But that's the thing. Like you never hear of like actual like shooting. Like every nightclub shooting ever has happened in like Florida or like you know somewhere here in the U.S. Yeah, for sure. I guess. um, So good. Good for them, Canada. Good for you. Yeah. Way to like step up. (laughs) Step up to the plate. I think in the conspiracy mindset or like world Ooh, it was like, an american a, a lot of oh the it was an american shooter that went there so he just went and lost it or what we oh i thought th- i'm saying that's what you're oh, like no. the conspiracy mindset is that some american went up there to make canada's look bad uh, i think um a pretty <laughs> typical scenario for like conspiracy theorists to talk about is that like maybe these people were victims of some kind of mk ultra uh, mind control and maybe had like been influenced by people around them prior sure. trigger words and such. And, and a lot of these incidences, you know, the people, what people are reporting are like, Oh yeah. And we saw like five guys leaving out of the back just before that. Or we saw people go in there with these black bags and then leave with those black bags. And then the shooting happened, you oh, know, shit. but that shit doesn't really get reported in the mainstream media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. Uh, okay. Well, Sorry to the victims and their families. That fucking sucks. Right. I wonder what. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Where at? Where at in Canada was it? Saint Catharines. Is that? Where is no that? idea. No. Nope. Canada. Canada. Uh, and in Oregon here, I thought this was kind of fun because yeah, you were talking about meth and everything. Um, this woman was arrested because the bean dip she had uh, had meth in it. Oh. And another employee, I guess, got a hold of it and then got sick. And had the and time had of his life. At the hospital, probably not. What? He didn't just have a fun time and no. like hang out? No. Oh, that's what I would Fell done. ill, went to the hospital, and then was told the dip might have been contaminated with meth. That's kind of a weird thing to like to be like, well, hey, maybe did you eat the dip? Maybe it had meth in it. Right. It's like, okay, Karen, why would you say that? Right. I want, yeah, that's that is weird. Well, they could just test him right away, though. Yeah, and they could also test the bean dip. That would. Do you think that was like a way of smuggling it? Like, why would you waste meth on bean dip? Do you think that maybe someone was making food and dropped some into it on accident? Oh, and it like trying to like smell their key and then being right (laughs) dropping it in, or maybe. Someone at the factory just thought that would be a funny thing to do. At the dip factory? Yeah, at the dip factory. Probably a lot of people on meth there, huh? Well, I I think factory workers are kind of known for uh, riding the fringes of society. I I think it's a lot. And wakefulness. Yeah. Just walking that line. (laughs) Right. Um, I don't know how meth would get into your bean dip. Hmm. Well... Open ended. If anybody out there knows, if let anyone us know. knows, <laughs> you can definitely hit us up. All right. Well, what hey, else, what else did you have here? Uh, that that was really it. There was uh, this. I don't know. If I was this. Uh, this lady was at a gas station, and somebody tried to steal her car, so she hosed him down with the gas pump. Oh God, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> 
That's raw, dog. Oh. I was just standing here watching the gas pump, and all of a sudden I felt some motion in my car, like it was swaying from side to side. I don't know what it was. I just happened to look, and there was a black male in my driver's seat. She says she had a, a push-to-start vehicle, and the man was trying to push the button to start the car, so she jumped into action and made sure he couldn't get away. Oh, God. I took the gas nozzle, and I just started spraying him with the gas. <laughs> he Damn. eventually got out of my car and left. <laughs> oh, that sucks. He's not going to get prosecuted That's, or charged? Well, it sucks that like now your car is just full of gasoline. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess, you know instant reaction like what do you do there's there's a gas pump there i guess i'll just i guess that's better than having your it's better than having your car stolen altogether. i think yeah well, well is it is it though well who knows how bad he would have damaged it though when he steals it right i mean i doubt he's like bringing it back with a full tank he <laughs> right you know? just drops it off like thanks, thanks. For borrow that you thanks know? Hmm. I'm surprised people do i mean i i guess like ubers and lifts and all that shit do cost Cost a bit of money. Maybe it's just easier to like jack somebody's car while they're pumping gas. And people were. I, I it's assume, in Georgia, South Fulton, Georgia. I think people that steal cars are usually either in a sticky situation or they're just looking to like go have fun. Like needs a getaway vehicle kind of thing. Or yeah, or maybe they're like, oh, I have shit to do. Fuck, I don't have any other option. <gasps> oh, I have errands, and I just remembered <laughs> I, I don't have shop- a car. <laughs> I gotta go shopping. How am I gonna get all my groceries back to the house? Oh, steal a car. <laughs> gonna steal this car uh how do you feel about elon musk are you like pro musk or are you anti-musk i mean i think at first i was i think everybody was and now i'm like i did the conspiracy brain just goes off it's like where did this guy come from i don't remember ever hearing about him ever until tesla came up and then it was just like this dude's putting thing cars into space <laughs> where does that money come from why was he hanging out with jeffrey epstein why are these things Ooh, all was coming? he he did at some point i think he was out at the fucking island and what is the island the island is it was an island that jeffrey epstein had owned and had had bought and like there was some kind of trippy stuff out there there's a building that was very um egyptian looking and had a gold uh dome on the top so like a gold. pyramid no, it was a it was a perfect cube with kind of a. Uh, is this verifiable? Or are you like yeah, Alex well, Jonesing on us right now? No, I honestly, I just got to get. You rid have for pictures. A yeah, P- get picture. On, it didn't happen. Get on internet. I'm on the internet, bro. Well, hit that plus button next to the browser. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. Ex- okay. Explain. So he had there was like this white. It, it, I want to say it kind of looked like a temple. Who knows? But there, it had kind of like a blue. Uh, like these solid blue lines and kind of an ornate <coughs> pattern, not a very like, um, not like a real detailed pattern, but like it was big and <coughs> I don't know how to Excuse describe me. it. You'll have to what am I searching for? Epstein, Epstein sex Island Island. Sure. Yeah. That would probably get you Epstein. some results. <laughs> so Island. Yeah. Island. Temple. Oh, Google already knows. This is actually a thing. Yeah. Oh my so God. So this thing then. had a giant gold. Whoa. You can see it right is there. Is that legit? Yeah. Uh, I'll so, put a link to this in the show notes at the jam. Hold on. Pull, you guys pull one of these pictures up. Yeah. Pull that one up. So they claim, are they tracking me now? No, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're just a nutcase out there on the internet. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. Okay. So 
this had a giant golden dome on it worth like some like thirty two million dollars or something, and and the news reports that it just got blown off in the fucking wind. And he built it on a private island. Yeah, wow. and so they had found allegedly they had found um, some dirty mattresses and maybe some bloodstained mattresses what? around the island. What? This is shit that I heard about originally. Um, early when the case really like before came he out. before he got busted himself well they weren't allowed to go on the island he had bodyguards and like people protecting the island so what you're looking at right here is the floor plan for what that actually is uh, it, he he claims it was a music room but there were bedrooms in there and showers and bathrooms stuff. and bedrooms that's all you need in your music room so i think um he said it was a music room the girls, like the escorts, or like prostitutes, whatever. I have a hard time calling them prostitutes because it's not like they were, they were tooting for fun. You know what I mean? They weren't making that much money, right? Uh, and plus, they were all underage. On top of that, so yeah. So this was out on the island when it got raided. That golden dome was already off. They weren't welcome on the island till after, and so. Right when he got busted, no one was there to really protect the island, so people had flown drones over and were, like, looking at it. I mean, it definitely has... Seems uh, some of these headlines are calling it Pedophile Island. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And he was flying out there on the Lolita Express. (laughs) This is all real dark stuff. Fucking hey. It said uh, one of the things about Epstein was that, like, one of his youngest victims was 13. Also, there was a news report about him... um, he said that he had gotten a couple of 12-year-old girls and, like, tossed them on a plane and gave them to Prince Andrew as a gift of like some sort. Like, people? Yeah. Like, I'm yeah, giving tw- you people as a gift? Well, and... Because it, these are my people? I. It That's make, weird. It makes you really start to realize that the ruling elite, the most wealthy people in the world, do not see us as human beings at all. I mean, sure. we're literally just things to be monetized. We're, I, you say sheeple or you say like cows to slaughter, that kind of stuff. And that, that becomes so literal. It's in just case. another commodity. Right, exactly. Or something that you can exchange or use to extort. A lot of this shit was based on blackmail. They found a ton of cameras in there everywhere. All the footage that um, was allegedly out there of them like having sex with these children was like, Gone. Missing. So, do you think that Elon is building them a rocket so that they can go to Mars and set up Pedophile Island, the planet? <laughs> pedophile or Island, is, the Or is movie? he on our <laughs> side and he's doing it because... No, he's not on our side. Are you... Sh- really? I got mad respect for the guy. I really do. But when you have that much money, there's no possible way that you cannot fall into these mind games. Really? I like to think that if I had that much money, I would be... Well, until a guy like Epstein catches you having sex with someone you shouldn't be having sex with, and then he blackmails you. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're forced into a situation where Uh, you have to be a criminal, and you've already participated. But that would never happen. Well, I mean, what if they offered you your favorite drug? And said, oh, yeah, but guess what? They had secret cameras. But if I had all that money, I would just go get whatever I wanted myself, and I wouldn't need it from them. Sure. You right? say that. Uh, I, no, I know. I, I, know. I, I know. stupid. I know. You can play a devil's advocate for sure on that whole thing. I agree. But um, So you don't think Elon is for us? I was reading about the, the smart summon feature that just got released in the Teslas and how like all of these videos of people like, 
look, watch, my car will come to me. Like, it's a thing on your phone where you hold the button down, and as long as you have a line of sight to the car, like, it will unpark itself and then come to you. That's super but then robot shit. there's a bunch of videos of, like, cars almost hitting other cars because like parking lots are not just like highways right like right. there's a lot of random chaos that happens in parking obstacles lots. it's so funny watching these people like standing outside waiting for their car to come and then it almost hits another car one dude's like it hit his garage and shit <laughs> like actually did damage and stuff right huh but like this is the guy that's like building this starship like he's about to do a test launch here coming up pretty soon right for mars no well Maybe yeah for mars. the starship that big stainless steel it looks like a big spaceship kind of but like shuttle. some pictures it looks like a grain silo. tower yeah silo that's right yeah um i hadn't heard of this i think that but like it's in texas like people uh boca chica well, beach or something for the record i just want to say i'm not anti elon musk i just think that once you hit a certain level of ca- of income which I don't even know if you that's think what you, can you call just it. become their I th- part of their he's a very thing? he's a very high profile individual and he's not necess- he's he's monetizing everything that he can. I don't think it's good or bad. I think that he's an interesting personality and that he is doing some good things. I don't necessarily he's doing it specifically for the people out in the world. Do you think though that this is their escape plan? Like that upper elite, they're they've destroyed oh, yeah. this planet, so they're getting. I think there a are some... shuttle to get the fuck out, and yeah. we're all gonna be just left here to deal with this planet. Well, it might do us some dies. fucking good <laughs> for a bit, but I mean, like once you get to a certain point, you can't really reverse what's going on, right? I don't know. I mean, I would hope not. I guess. Like, if every human died right now, you know, like some Thanos fucking shit. Right. The plants would slowly over time start to, like, take back over and the animals and everything. Well, maybe all the ecosystem would get really fucked up, though, because, like, no one would be out there removing all the bullshit we put into the ocean. Right, already. Right, and then that's going to fuck up that's the ecosystem. That's what I'm saying. Are we to a plants? point where, like, it's... And um, that's why they're so in a hurry to like get this starship gone. Well, so how we many can... how many people can fit on this thing? Does it say? Uh, no. A f- um, no. I think that we're yeah. I think things are definitely heading in that direction. We might not see it on our lifetime. We're like what? I th- I'd say in a hundred years they're gonna have definitely like some docking going on out. <laughs> it and, docking. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're gonna have like. Or basically motherships out there that people can come and go from. They said freely. the prototype weighs 200 tons, but they're going to try and cut that down to 110 tons so that it can lift 150 tons of payload into low Earth orbit. So that's oh. a lot. That's a lot of like gear. And I mean, you need a lot of rocket fuel, obviously, to so get out of the atmosphere. But are they going out? It says it's going in. Well, the this atmosphere? is this is the prototype that's going to take us to Mars, supposedly. Oh, OK. It's 50 meters I mean, tall. they want to colonize it. It's pretty, it. like, epic looking, though. It reminds me of, like, the old school sci-fi comics that you see, like, posters of. They're like, yeah. Starship. Yeah. Like, you know, that's yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, it's pretty dope. But that's cool. And that's some of the comments were like, oh, cool, so the upper echelon can just go find a better planet since they already destroyed this one. And I was like, damn, well, I kind of liked Elon. Like, yeah, but it's like. I hope that's not the case. Good luck finding a better planet. But there's aliens are countless coming countless 
planets out there. Aliens are coming to our planet because it's fucking badass. Aliens are already here. No, I know, but that's what I'm saying is they're visiting here specifically because it's badass. You know? But there's, I don't know, I feel like there's got to be, if you like look at the Drake equation, there's got to be at least... What's a Drake equation? It's the equation that says how how likely it is that there is another planet that supports life. Like all of the variables are like how many planets are in the, or how many stars are in, you know, a chunk of, of galaxy or a chunk of the universe. And then out of those, how many are this kind of star? And then out of those, how many have uh, planetary bodies in there? And out of those, how many are in this particular area as far as how close and far are, the okay. orbit gets from the star. Right. So there's like a ton of different variables and eventually you get to a point where it's like, okay, there are other or there aren't. Huh. And I feel like there are because just well, of how vast and, and right. spacious space is. There definitely are. I think that, but can we get to them? I think that what we're <laughs> going to find is that we're going to have to find different ways to get to them. It's not just like, like wormholes, wormholes. Maybe it's types of consciousness. Maybe it's types of science. We haven't figured out yet that transport us where it's not so much point A to point B on a one track, you know, on a single one. That's what these are. That's reusable. Like he's the first cat that has been able to like launch rockets and then land them and then launch them again. And it's crazy looking like when you watch that, cause we're like my generation grew up with the space shuttle, you know, Mm -hmm. like challenger blew up and then we had other space shuttles, but nothing that was quite like this, you know, like old school rocket ship. We're going to Mars. So, um, Hmm. I just lost my question there. It was a pretty good one, though. Oh, damn. <laughs> I, oh, how dangerous do you think these things are? Going they, to space? No, no. Well, I'm just Wicked saying, dangerous. Well, I know, but I'm saying, like, remember, there were multiple shuttles that had not worked out so well prior to going to the moon. Like, are right. these things just blowing up left and right, not, like, getting reported? I don't think so. I mean, that's why they're doing all this testing and stuff, I assume. And the science is just so fucking beyond anything. We don't, I will never understand like what these people are actually doing. (laughs) You know, I don't know. Playing a lot of Warcraft, Minecraft. They're playing Minecraft. Listening to Joe Rogan podcasts, smoking weed. (laughs) Shout out Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. Is is he a sponsor? Hopefully. (laughs) Joe, hit us up. (laughs) All right. Well, is that going to do it? Is is there anything else you wanted to talk about while oh, while you were we, here? Should we do the test? What test? Are you able to name all nine members of the Wu-Tang? <sighs> God damn it. Is that even possible? There's Red Man, Method Man, nope. the Jizza, the Rizza, <laughs> Ghostface Killer. Nice. There's uh, ODB. Nice. And uh, Snoop Dogg. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got five out of nine. Red Man doesn't count though. Oh, you can't say that. We we discussed this. Every time you say that, a pair of Nikes gets hung by a fucking power line. I'm pretty sure if we're talking about New York, we're talking about Timberlands. Oh, that's true, huh? We're talking about Pelly Pelly's bubble goose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that you know all this. And uh, if you're someone who Ben owes money to, holler because he is <laughs> checking names off that list now that he's Working out and eating pop tarts. So, so hey, if anybody, ha- if we're gonna do another episode, maybe hip hop oriented. Ooh, yeah. Hit me up on Instagram. Let me know what you want to hear. 
um, who you want to hear on the show. Cause then Ben will bug them on Instagram until we either get a blocked or B an interview. Well, or I could just do another book report and yeah. we can power through another 40 minutes of, uh, <laughs> of I'm, I'm not editing any of that either. People are going to suffer through it. Like I had to, I think they're going to enjoy it. I hope I think so too. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it. I'm, I'm happy. Did you feel made fun of Matt or was this kind of educational? No, it was definitely educational. And now that we're done, I'll give you what my predictions were. Uh, and it was more along the lines of like conspiracy theory, serial killer stuff. And right. I know that you knew that I would think that, which is why I think you went the Wu-Tang route. No. And I'm pleasantly That's impressed. Actually, uh, what inspired it What. I was laying there and I was kind of laughing about the Wu Tang thing was, or like about how, our conversation at work about them. Yeah, and then I was like, "Holy shit, that's it!" Because my friend and I had already been talking about doing like a hip hop podcast and like doing okay. this, and so this is kind of a test run in a sense of like what direction that podcast could go. So I'm gonna shoot this over to Wormwood and uh, holler. Yeah, we're gonna see what he thinks because, uh, and we haven't came up with a name for it yet, but there's potential for that to happen. For you guys, I don't want yeah. a part of that. Well, and the other thing is, with nine members, we got one group with nine members. You could do a fucking book report on each one of these dudes, or you could just still not even hit the tip of the iceberg, or, honestly, or just watch the Netflix documentary. Is there a documentary about? I Wu-Tang? think there's one coming out on Wu Tang. I'm pretty sure. Oh shit, dude! It's either Netflix or Amazon. I don't remember. Also, I, I feel like I saw something. About I also it. want to use this as a time to say before you know how people always freak out when their favorite celebrity dies. Mm-hmm. I just wanted on the record. I was a Wu Tang fan before they died. Nice. <laughs> I mean, there's many others, but sometimes you just got to make a little Facebook post like, "Oh, I love this artist," just so people know you're for real before they die. That's right. You're going to see a lot of posts about people just like loving other people that are probably going to die soon. Well, nobody was out there like, oh my God, I love Miss Doubtfire. And then Rob Williams died and their whole life reality was fucking shattered, you know? Does that happen? Do people's realities get shattered when celebs die? Sure seems like it for 24 hours. Oof. And then then they just forget. On social media. So the AI is like, oh, look, they do have empathy. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some grave sites. I would go to Michael Jackson's grave site. Just say like, oh, what up, dead Michael body? I feel like I went to Kurt Cobain's just because we happened to be there in Washington. And it was like, there was was nothing to do there. I was like, oh, wait, this is where Cobain is. And it's always cool to go chill in a cemetery once in a while. Right? I grew up next to one. I fucking fucking, love it. Write some lyrics? Back in the day, we used to go falfing in the cemetery. (laughs) And that's how you get haunted real quick. I remember that. Haunted falf discs. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thejamhole.com, that's where all the show notes and all the info for the show are. Uh, If you need a piece of glass or a piece of quartz, sweetpieceofglass.com, that's our website that sells that shit. It's pretty sweet. We got pendies and and stuff like that. So marbles, if you lost your marbles and you need marbles, like check it out. And Ben with a pen over on Instagram. And the jam with a pen on Instagram. And Ben with a pen. And hit me up if you want any artwork or have any questions. Hit him up. All right, thanks for listening. Peace out. You are listening to the Jam Hole. The Jam, the Jam, the Jam Hole.com.